Today's episode of We Built This Life is a solo episode where I'll be talking about 10 lessons that I have learned in my first year of podcasting. Welcome to We Built This Life. This is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs, freelancers, and other business owners who have built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into careers that help them make the impact that they want to make on this world. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I love to hear stories about people who have built careers that are meaningful to them. So on this podcast, you'll hear from people who have done just that. They're going to talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Hi, welcome to We Built This Life. My name is Jennifer Walker and it's been a while. I think I released my last podcast episode in mid-May or late May, so I hope you're enjoying your summer. In these last few months, I have been thinking a lot about what is next for the podcast and I have an idea that I'm excited about. So I'm going to call the first 10 episodes that are already live season one. And then today's episode will be a bridge episode. I really wanted to do an episode to celebrate a year of podcasting, even though a year for me is only 10 episodes and that's a pretty small number. I'm still proud of those 10 episodes and I wanted to celebrate. So today I'm going to talk about 10 lessons I learned in one year of podcasting. So I'll share six lessons about things like entrepreneurship, working for yourself, starting a business, carving your own path, things that I learned from guests that have come on the show, and then I'll share four lessons that I learned in the process of starting a podcast. But really, even though I'm talking about podcasting, those lessons could apply to anyone who's starting something new, whether it be a new business or a new program or offering within your current business. I'm not going to say anything that you haven't heard before, most likely, but I do think that these are good reminders to hear every once in a while, at least for me. Okay, before we get started, I wanted to mention one thing. I'm holding a giveaway on Instagram. It's my first giveaway. I'm over at We Built This Life. I'm not sure at the time of this recording what I'm going to be giving away, though I have an idea. But by the time you've listened to this, the giveaway will be live. So I will have made my choice. There are three ways to enter. It's kind of a way to celebrate completing a season of the podcast and also to say thank you to anyone who has ever listened to the show or followed on Instagram or Facebook, because I do have a Facebook page that I use every once in a while. That means so much to somebody who is starting something new. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. So I would love it if you stopped by on Instagram to enter or just to say, hi, that works too. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I had the honor of having a conversation with Alexander Fox of Voodoo Water TV. We did it through Facebook Live. It was my first time that anybody asked me to come on and talk about myself and have a conversation with them. And the first time I had been on video while we were doing it, it was really, really fun. You can watch the replay, I believe on Alex's Facebook page for Voodoo Water TV, and then he also puts them on YouTube. So I'll link to that in the show notes. If you did tune into the live or if you listen to the replay, some of the things that you will hear in this episode are things that I shared with Alex on his show. But there's some new stuff too, both on the Voodoo Water TV conversation and on the episode here today. But Alex is great at what he does. He kept the conversation going. I definitely recommend going over to check out what he's doing. Uh, The Facebook Live format is really kind of, of a cool and interesting way to have a podcast. So he's over at Voodoo Water TV on Facebook and Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes. Okay, let's get started with today's episode about 10 lessons learned during my first year of podcasting. 
So first, let me give you some background about why I started this podcast. I'm a writer. I've written for consumer and trade magazines and for university publications and websites. And when editors assign stories or when you pitch stories to editors that they accept, they give you a word count to stick to, which of course makes sense. If you're working in print, there's only so many words on the page and all of the stories that a magazine has planned has to fit within their allotted page count. Writers can go over the word count. I think the rule is to try to stick to 10% over the word count. But often, at least in the stories that I usually work on, I've had to make a story fit within some smaller word counts. So this can be really fun. I actually do enjoy that. I think it builds your skills as a writer. It forces you to really zone in on the, you know, the one or two most important things that the person you interviewed said. And it's kind of like a puzzle trying to figure out how to convey what they said accurately and in a way that the reader is going to find it compelling, but while using fewer words. But even though I do like this, I was finding that the people I interviewed said so many interesting things that I couldn't use. I remember meeting a woman at a Cracker Barrel a few years ago for a story I was working on about crowdfunding for medical expenses. And this is when using sites like GoFundMe and asking others to help with expenses like medical bills was a newer thing. And this woman, I think she was in her early 40s, she had a late stage cancer. And I remember I met her in front of the restaurant and she didn't have any hair and she wasn't wearing a wig. And she came right up to me. She gave me a big hug. She was really charismatic and vibrant and welcoming. And we talked for an, an hour or more. She shared many personal things about what it was like going through an illness at a young age, doing it with four kids at home. But she was part of a larger story. So I only have 400 words or so to tell her part of the story. And like I said, this can be really fun to figure out the best parts of someone's story to tell. But what I like about podcasting is you don't have those word count limits. So I can interview someone and tell the full spectrum of their career story and I have the space to do that. So it's really nice working in both ways, you know, being a writer and working to smaller word counts and having that puzzle to work with and then working on a podcast where there's a little more space to tell your story. The other thing I really love about podcasting from a storytelling perspective is that, of course, you can actually incorporate the person's voice that you're interviewing. So I write a script for the show. I write down what parts of the person's story I'm going to say, but really the parts when I'm talking on the podcast are just to set up the guest so that they can tell their story and you as a listener can hear what parts of their story they put emphasis on or when they get excited and passionate. I really love that. If you're reading a story in print, you can read a quote and imagine what the person's voice sounds like. But through podcasting, you can actually hear them telling you about their own story. And I just think that's so cool. So now, what have I learned in a year of podcasting? So a year of podcasting for me, as I mentioned, is 10 episodes. A lot of podcasters get to 10 episodes in two and a half months if they're doing a weekly show. But for me, a year is 10 episodes. And I, a little mini lesson here is that I think you have to celebrate your own wins and not compare, right? So that's what I'm doing today. So the first six lessons are from guests who have been on the show. Lesson number one comes from episode two and episode nine, and it's, it's okay to pivot your career, which I mean, of course it's okay to pivot your career, but 
For Ryan Sullivan from episode two, he actually pivoted his career back to where he started. So he was a real estate agent when he was in his 20s. And then in his early 30s, in 2008, the recession hit. And because of circumstance and interest, he decided he wanted to make a professional change and work in education as a counselor in a school. He went back to school for years to obtain the degree to pursue this new career. And when he was finished, he made the decision to go back to real estate. But he found a way to work children and education into his life as a volunteer. I think a lot of people in the same situation might have thought they couldn't go back to that first career because they had spent all this time and money and energy to take their career in a different direction. But I think Ryan's story really shows that as long as you can make it work financially and with your family and other commitments, it's always okay to pivot your career, even if you're just pivoting it back to where you started and to find other ways to work your passions or interests. And for Ryan, that would be kids in education into your life. So I think the lesson here is similar to the one I took out of episode nine, which was with my husband, Kenny Yee. He talked about how he went back to school to study art and he focused on being a full-time artist for a while. He had a studio and he would go and work every day, but he said that that wasn't a fit for him. Having his art tied to his income put more pressure on him to create. So he found a full-time job at an art college. He's still a serious artist, but his income isn't tied to his art, so he can enjoy the act of creating without the worry of it being his work. So kind of the same thing here. He pivoted his career, but still found a way to work his interest in art into his life. Okay, lesson two is think about money and what it means to you because that will play a role in your goals for your business. This is another lesson where it's kind of like, of course money is going to play a role in the goals for my business. That's why I have the business or one of the reasons because I need to make money. But hear me out. So this lesson comes from Ashley Shelley in episode four. Ashley has a planner business. She designs beautiful planners in cool colors like turquoise and navy and dusty purple and blush pink. They're really pretty. She has a new petite planner for 2021 that releases in early September, and it comes in the most lovely navy color. I'm thinking about getting one. But she also makes other stationary products like notebooks. She talked on her episode about a recent, at the time, conversation that she had had with her husband about money. And Ashley said that her and her husband both knew that they could come up with a plan to be millionaires, that they feel that they have it in them to be able to do that, but they also feel it would take a lot of sacrifice and stress to get there, and they really don't want any part of that. So they decided together that what they both want is a comfortable home and the ability to travel and pay their bills without stress and afford the things that make them happy. And that's important because that is going to play a role in Ashley's goals for her business. Because how you think about money and to what extent it is important to you in your life beyond what you need for your everyday needs, that's going to affect so much when you're thinking about your career because of course that's how we make our money. And I think the lesson here is to really think about the role you want money to play in your life without judgment. So obviously, like I said, we all need to cover basic expenses and save for college for our kids or a home or retirement. But beyond that, if you feel like you want a lot of money and you wanna live a certain lifestyle, that's totally fine. If you feel more like Ashley, like you want enough money to be comfortable, that's fine too. But whatever your true feelings are about money, I think it's important to acknowledge them and then let whatever you discover about yourself and your feelings toward money shape your business. 
Okay, lesson three is trust your intuition. So this lesson comes from episode three with Mercedes Lyson. She is a beauty journalist who creates content under L'Amore La Musique. Mercedes grew up in an academic family. She has an academic background herself. She has a PhD in sociology from Brown. Shortly after graduating with her PhD, she made her first beauty video for YouTube in 2014. And she kept making videos while she was working full time and then Lamori La Musique transitioned into a business over time. So today she runs Lamori La Musique while being home with her son, who I think is maybe almost two years old at the time I'm putting this episode together. She has a very active Patreon page where viewers can support her at different levels and they get tiered content in return at each of those levels. So for example, I signed up at the $7 a month level so I can listen to one additional podcast episode a month. Mercedes has a podcast called Your Purpose is Beauty and it's really good. You should check it out. And I can also watch one video a month that is just for patrons. So I talked on this episode about how before Mercedes started her podcast, her husband had given her a microphone to use for her new show. And she wrote on Instagram about how nice it is to have someone in her life supporting her. And when I asked her about that, she said that building L'Amour has felt like a solo endeavor at times, that she doesn't think her family watches her content, which is okay for her, she said, but she started L'Amour for herself because she was interested in beauty products and she had a lot to say about them and she felt a calling to do it. That's the important part. She felt a calling to do it. She listened to that and responded to that and now L'Amour La Musique is a business. So listen to your intuition. You know, if you feel like a... We, I think we know what that feels like when you feel a pull to do something. I think I felt it with this podcast. And if you can respond without worrying too much about what other people might think, when you feel that calling or you feel that push, it might take you in a whole new, really positive direction with your work. Lesson four, you can build a business with kids at home. This feels like an especially important lesson today when we're all coming up to starting, or maybe you've started already, distance learning for the next few weeks, months, whatever it is. This lesson comes from Emily Silverstein in episode five. She owns a skincare company called Urban Organics, and she built the company while her kids were at home with her. So it is possible. So I find Emily's story particularly inspiring right now. So the lesson here, like I said, is that it is possible to do this. Don't let being a parent keep you from building a business if that's what you want to do. I don't think it's easy. And if you're able to get help in the form of babysitters or family, I think that can be important to our own mental health as parents. But if help isn't an option, Emily talks on her episode about how she taught her kids independence from an early age and encouraged their imaginations. And she gives examples of some of the things that have kept them occupied while she's been working. She involves them in the business too. For a while, maybe she still does this, but for a while she was posting on social media pictures of her kids drawing on the Urban Organics boxes. So they were packed with everybody's orders and then her two sons would draw on the outside of the boxes. So they were involved. They got to be there with Emily and her husband who also works with the business now and they got to be a part of Urban Organics, which is such a cool thing. So it is possible to build a business, to start a podcast, to start a blog, whatever it is, while your kids are at home. Okay, lesson five. This is the one that was probably the most impactful for me to hear or that resonated the most with me for my current situation. And that is you can build a business with limited 
time. It might not progress as quickly as you want, but you can do it. Kind of goes with the previous lesson about building a business with kids at home, but your time might be limited for all sorts of reasons. So this lesson comes from Ashley Becker from Sela Designs, which is a nonprofit jewelry company. Ashley doesn't take a salary from this company. She uses the profit she makes from jewelry sales to fund various social service projects or to support nonprofit organizations that she's passionate about. Ashley has four kids, and she talked on this episode about the early days of building Sela Designs when her kids were younger and at home and how she could only find really limited time to work, like a couple of hours when someone took a nap. And it would take her a long time to finish projects. She said that she would have to photograph some of the jewelry for her website and she could only do it in these tiny chunks. So it would take her like a couple of weeks to get it done. But she kept using the limited time that was available to her to move forward. And Ashley also said that the progress was slow and that was a challenge for her. But by sticking with it and being persistent, she built Sela Designs into a company that she's really proud of today. It honestly was like my mind was blown when she said this because I have thought about giving up on this podcast, especially now there just isn't a lot of time to work on it. And when I do get time, when the kids are in bed at night, I'm tired. So sometimes it's really hard to focus and aren't all of us in the same situation right now? We're just really tired because we're in a pandemic. So for me, just hearing about how Ashley has the same time constraints or how she had them in the beginning of building her business, but she believed in her company and her mission and she persisted. And now Sela Designs is something bigger today. That makes me wanna keep going. Work with the time you have and keep moving forward and it just may pay off down the road. Okay, lesson six. If something in your business isn't working, sometimes you just have to make a little tweak to make it work. So this lesson comes from Amy Homan in episode seven. Amy owns a fashion company called Evolvery and she designs sustainable and ethical clothing. Amy talked about all the hard work that went into launching her Kickstarter campaign. She had three pieces of clothing for the campaign. There was a petal sleeve top, a vest, and a modular maxi dress that can be worn about nine different ways. And she had a goal of raising $20,000 or so from Kickstarter. And she ended up raising a little over 2000 So she didn't reach her goal. And... Amy had to do some soul searching afterward and she decided that she had put so much work into her business, she couldn't give up. So she made a tweak. At the time that we talked, she had felt really strongly about producing her clothing in the United States, which is expensive if you're a small business in Amy's experience. So the tweak she made was to shift her thinking and decide that she was okay with working with an international manufacturer that had the same values and the commitment to sustainability and environmentalism that Amy has. That tweak led her to producing a line called Evolvery Essentials that includes t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, swing dresses, the pedal sleeve top from the Kickstarter campaign, and more. I have a few of her pieces. They're great. I especially love the swing dress. I think she still has a few pieces left on her website, but in the fall, Amy will be releasing a whole new line of clothing items, including that modular maxi dress that turns into nine separate pieces of clothing. But At the time, right after she started her Kickstarter campaign, the change she made in how she manufactured her clothes was the tweak that Evolvery needed to move forward. So if you hit a challenging time period in your business, think about all the small changes that you can make to get past the challenge and maybe make things fall a little bit more into place. Okay, so those are the six biggest lessons I have learned about business, entrepreneurship, careers, finding your own path, 
in season one of this podcast. Now, I wanna shift gears and share the four biggest lessons I learned in my first year of podcasting. These lessons mostly center around uh, starting something new, like I mentioned at the beginning. So it doesn't have to be podcasting, that's just what it is for me. Okay, lesson seven is to think about all the ways you can use work that you've already done and make it go further for you. So I mentioned that I work as a freelance writer and at the beginning of my career, when I was reading more blogs with writing advice, I feel like they always said that what successful freelance writers do is they get more mileage out of their ideas. So it's, it takes a lot of time to research a new story if it's a topic you're not familiar with. You're talking to people, you're learning about the subject, you're doing research, you need to know enough about the subject to write about it with accuracy and authority, and that takes time. So seasoned writers would always recommend to think of ways you could slant your story for other publications, but also ways that you can use the information that you've already collected in other ways. So here's an example. I used to write for a trade business magazine. It's not around anymore, but it focused on CEOs. And for an assignment for one issue, I was writing about people who had overcome challenges. Like they had this award ceremony and there were 10 people they were honoring and I was writing a short profile about each of these people. So I wrote a story about one woman named Loriana Hernandez. She was a news anchor and she was going through fertility treatments to have a second child. I think she was in her early 40s at the time. And right before a procedure was to be done, her doctor decided to perform a routine blood test and it turned out that she had acute myeloid leukemia. And she had to very quickly sort of go to the hospital for treatment. She was there for almost a year. And I wrote a very short story about her for this business magazine, but I thought she had a lot more to say and I had all of this information from talking to her one time. So I turned it into a pitch for Cancer Today. And then I wrote a full longer profile about her, which I will link in the show notes if you're interested. But I took kind of this information that I had already collected and I spun it into something new. And then when I you know, wrote her story a second time, obviously I went a lot deeper with the Cancer Today profile, but I already knew a little bit of her story. So it kind of gave me a little bit of a, a head start when I was writing the second piece. So it was kind of making work that I had already done go further for me, both in terms of workload and financially in this case. So it's really making the work you've already done go further for you. So how does that relate to podcasting? I have been thinking about ways I can use the interviews I already do to create more regular content and different content to reach more viewers. So for example, I already transcribe each of the podcast interviews. I do this with all of my writing interviews and it is not my favorite task. I really dread transcription but I so appreciate having the full transcript from an interview in front of me for accuracy's sake and because it helps me put the story together. So I've been working and hopefully by the time this episode goes up, I will have finished working on putting the story scripts from each podcast episode on the blog on my website. And just as an aside, Mercedes from Lamori La Musique, who I mentioned, she had put something on her Instagram about putting up transcripts of her podcast episodes so that her information is accessible to people who can't listen to podcasts. And that made me realize that this is also an important step to take to be inclusive of others. So thank you to Mercedes for helping me realize that. 
So that's one way I'm trying to get a little bit more out of each interview. And to that end, going forward, I'm also going to look at how I can get a separate blog post out of the interviews I do so that I can produce more content and in a different form, a written form, for people who prefer that. So that'll just be another way to use all of the information I already collect from an interview and to make the work go further. So this lesson can apply to so many types of businesses. For example, if you offer courses as part of your business, you could think about packaging them in different ways. The work is already done, and that might be another way to make that work go further. Or even the act of just recording the course instead of having a live course so that you do the work once and then it is available for however long into the future, that's making the work go further for you rather than offering your course live every time. So you're using the work you've already done, but maybe you'd reach a new audience who is interested in having their courses recorded and not live because they can't make it live or who is interested in having a bunch of courses packaged up so that they can learn more about a particular topic. So stretch your work as far as you can to try to reach new people and to get the most mileage out of what you've already done. Lesson eight is know yourself and design your business around that. So through the last year, I have thought a lot about changing the format of this podcast in ways that would allow me to potentially save time maybe and to put out more content. So right now what I generally do is I interview someone and I transcribe the interview. I either do it myself or I use a program called Otter Meeting Notes to give me a head start. Then I'll write the story. So I'll figure out what I'm going to say and what chunks of the interview I'm going to use and I'll put it all together into a story. Then I use that story script to record what I'm going to say. So I'm using audio of myself and audio from the person I interviewed and I'm putting it together to tell a story. I actually really love doing this podcast. I love putting these episodes together and getting to talk to people about their work and how they've built their businesses and sometimes getting to make connections with guests that goes a bit beyond the episode. That's really fulfilling to me and it's just such an honor that people will take the time to share their stories with me and that they trust me to share their stories in turn with you. But I do wish I could put out more regular content. That has always been a goal of mine. So maybe to save some time, I've thought about running the full interviews for my conversations with people and having that be the episode, which is still completely time consuming, I'm sure of it, because of the editing. That's what takes a long time. But it would take out those steps of transcribing and putting together the story. I've also kind of thought about ways I could do more solo episodes, which takes out the step of securing interviews. So really, I was trying to think of ways I could save time to help me produce more content. But what this year has taught me is to acknowledge my limitations and my strengths. I probably can't put out an episode a week, even if I change the way I deliver the episodes. And I just really feel like an interview-based podcast, even though I love listening to interview-based podcasts where the host gets a conversation going with the person that they interview and there's dialogue and there's a back and forth. Those are great. I love to listen to those. I can interview people and I can think about what information I need to write a story and I can ask follow-up questions and get examples when I feel like I need a visual, but my strength is not going to be leading an engaging conversation, I don't think. So I really feel like my strength is putting together the story. That is what I feel is true about myself. So I'm going to continue to structure the podcast episodes in the same way. So know yourself when you are starting something new, a business, a program, whatever it is, and design that new thing around your strengths. 
Okay, lesson nine is don't take anything too personally. And, and I have thought over and over and over again about what I wanna say in this section so it's helpful to other people and it feels true to my experience, but doesn't make me sound like something that's negative. You know, I don't know if I've hit on the right way to phrase this section, but I do wanna include it because basically here I'm talking about rejection and I feel like that is a part of working for yourself and if you don't know how to get past it, it can take you off course from reaching your goals. So I'm just going to give a shot at explaining it. So, so much of being a new podcaster without a following and starting a show that relies on securing interviews and guests reminds me of my early days of freelancing when I used to do a lot more pitching. So if you're a writer and you have an idea for a story that you think would be a good fit for a particular magazine or a publication, you will send a pitch to the editor, which is essentially an email that details your idea, why you think it's a good fit for the publication, and a little bit about why you would be a good fit as the writer for the story, or why you would be a good fit as a writer in general, who they might wanna work with in the future. And you get a range of responses with pitches. You won't hear a response at all, which is really common, or an editor will say it isn't the right fit for them, which actually in the freelancing world, I think people consider to be a good thing because it opens up a conversation, invites you to send more ideas, or an editor will show interest, but ultimately decide not to pursue the story, or they might show interest and then just stop responding to you, or you'll make the sale and the editor will say, yes, I love this idea. I wanna work with you, let's move forward. So I've pretty much gotten all of these reactions when I was sending more pitches, and I've gotten all of these reactions when trying to secure guests for the podcast. To find guests for the show, I write emails just like I wrote pitches to try to get freelancing assignments. I try to reach out to people I have some connection with. You know, maybe I've purchased their products in the past or I'm a viewer of their content. And I try to put into words what I love about their work and what I'd love to talk to them about on the show and why I think they would be good guests. And the responses are, are pretty much the same. You know, I won't get a response or I will get a response and the person will say they're interested. And then when I try to set up a time to talk, the conversation kind of dies out after that. Or I will get the positive response where people want to come on the show. And that's great when that happens and that keeps you going. But for the times when people maybe don't respond or they stop responding, as someone who is starting something new, that can derail you from your goals if you take that personally. And I'm a sensitive person who takes pretty much everything personally. So I really have to work at this. So if you're like me, it really requires putting your ego aside and thinking, you know, there could be so many reasons why somebody doesn't respond. You know, maybe they're busy. Maybe they have other things going on in their lives. They probably do. Maybe they've just decided that your podcast isn't for them. That's okay. Because there are so many people in the world and everyone has a good story to tell. And if you keep emailing potential guests, you will get responses and you can apply this lesson to whatever business you're in. People will want to talk to you. So I think remembering that there are reasons why you might not get the response you want from other people, why you might feel a little bit of that rejection is important. And then I think also realizing that there are a lot of people out there and that you're really on a hunt to find the people who are the best fit for what you're offering is also important. In my case, what has helped me too is that if I've ever gotten you know a positive comment about the podcast from somebody who's been on the show or somebody who's been a listener, I save that and I go back and I look at that and it can just give you that boost to remember that people will respond to what you're offering and you just 
have to not take anything too personally along the way and just keep going forward. Okay, we've made it. Lesson 10, set goals for your season of life. This goes a little bit with Ashley Becker's lesson from Sayla Designs about working with the time that is available to you. But to kind of build on that, as my daughter would say, I think that's what they say in school, to build on that, Recently, I was flipping through Elise Kripe's goal-setting book. I think it's called Big Dreams, Daily Joys. And she had a section where she talked about taking into account your season of life when setting goals. She had used this example of how she had a step goal every day when she was moving around a lot with her kids. I think the goal was 10,000 steps. But then when her kids went to school, she realized she was behind her desk more, she was working more, and she found it hard to reach that original step goal. So she set a new goal that she felt was more attainable. I think it was maybe to walk five or 6,000 steps a day or maybe 8,000 steps a day, but it was less than her previous goal, but one that took into account what her daily life was like in that moment and what she could reasonably achieve within that framework. And I read this and it was like a new format for the podcast just clicked in my head. So all throughout this year of podcasting, I have been thinking that I should put out one episode a week. That feels like kind of the gold standard of podcasting. I have to put out an episode a week if I ever want anyone to listen. And around April and May, I was really trying to get closer to that goal. I put out three episodes within one and a half or two months, and that's really good for me. And within those three episodes, I you know experimented with the format. I did a solo episode, I did an interview with my husband, both of which were easier for me to put together. And I did one interview episode with someone who I who I didn't know, but who I just thought had an amazing business and I wanted to hear their story. And I was able to turn around those three episodes pretty quickly. But this was also when my kids were home during this time because COVID had come and the schools had closed and I was just getting sick a lot. I was staying up late and I kept getting strep throat. I had it in March, April, and May. And then in June, I just had a couple of days where I had a fever. So when I read it in Elise's book, it just clicked that I probably cannot put out an episode a week right now in this season of life I'm in. And my husband had said early on in the life of this podcast, why don't you do one episode a month? And at the time I was like, no, no, that's not enough. One episode a month, nobody's ever gonna listen. But I think he's right. One episode a month feels like a goal I could possibly achieve. So on that note, let me tell you about season two and what you can expect from We Built This Life. I'm going to try to do one episode a month. It'll be released on either the first Tuesday of the month or the second Tuesday of the month. I haven't decided yet. And what I hope is that as much as possible, these will be themed episodes where you'll get to hear stories from two to three guests around a particular theme in each episode. And on the third or fourth Tuesday of each month, I'll have a blog post that wraps around the month's theme. And then the hope is to add a newsletter as well. I'm sort of investigating that as I record this. So I hope you'll tune in to season two, which will be released in September, the first episode. For that episode one, I'm going to tell stories about a couple of full-time working moms and how they survived during the first few months of COVID-19. And then I might tell a little bit of my own story as well. So that other moms who are struggling, which, you know, spoiler alert, I have struggled, can find some commiseration here as we move forward into distance learning in the fall, as well as hopefully some actionable steps they can take to just make having work and school and kids all integrated be a little bit easier. Thank you so much for tuning in today to this bridge episode. Another reminder to head over to Instagram and enter the giveaway there. 
As always, thank you for listening. Every time someone listens to an episode and I check my views so I know when people listen, it really, it means so much. I am genuinely appreciative of every download, every listen. Thank you for all of them. And I'll see you again very soon. Thank you for listening today to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show or if you have constructive feedback, I would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also come say hi on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Have an amazing day and I'll see you soon.